Hey, let's talk some sports, huh? The Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. The number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. If you're technologically inclined, you can reach us at Ozone at HallRadio.net. That's Ozone at HallRadio.net. Now, i got to get something off my chest real bad from the College World Series. There was a play at first base. Oklahoma laid down a sacrifice bunt, real nice bunt. Catcher comes up with the ball, throws the ball to first base. The runner is running inside the baseline, takes his glove off, and they ruled interference. Well, I heard a national show with two football guys on saying that's a stupid rule. They need to get rid of that rule. Well, first of all, the reason the rule is in effect is so that the first baseman doesn't get hurt. It's lucky there wasn't a broken wrist involved in this. If you've ever watched any baseball, you've seen that 45-foot line, and it's, I don't think it's called enough. It's very simple. When you're in that 45-foot box, you've got to run outside the fair the, the baseline, it, it's very simple, and there's a good reason for that. And they're saying, well, it's okay if he wants to take one for the team and, you know, get hit in the back with the throw, then that's okay. Well, I disagree. Well, the rules are actually going in the direction uh, that you're saying, Ronnie. They're, they're actually taking away those rough base running techniques that used to be done. Uh, for example, in the major leagues, you can no longer just – crush the catcher anymore right yeah, and, exactly uh, and it's similar you know they're gonna they're gonna enforce that more than they used to used to be sort of um uh, they sort of maybe look the other way depending i seem to remember alex rodriguez doing something similar as uh, as the oh, field the red sox <laughs> oh no i remember what he did he tried to when they went to tag him he tried to slap it yeah. love to knock the ball yeah. out with so yeah. <laughs> well reggie jackson against the dodgers and was it the 81 oh, world it, series or it, it, no, that was 1970 78 77 actually uh, i want to say no, well, you're right. Seventy-eight. I'm sorry. You're right. Seventy-eight, where he stuck his hip out. On yeah. The oh, yeah. Yeah. He got away with that one, but yeah, uh, because he, he he was like, "Oops, my bad." <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Replay would have gotten him on that today. Well, let's right don't now. spend a lot of time on that because yeah. there has but been. But you feel better now saying. That. Yeah, I do. <laughs> That's There's okay. been a tectonic uh, shift the in the college moved. football <laughs> world. We're talking now about the two premier programs in the rapidly sinking Pac-12. Southern Cal and UCLA going to the Big Ten. Now, man, <laughs> Texas and Oklahoma going to the SEC was another shift of that same magnitude. What is this going to do to the college football world? I mean, there's a lot that can go into that. 682-1430, that's 682-1430. And we'll have G. Allen Taylor from The Athletic is going to come on with us here real soon. And we'll be talking more about that. But it makes me wonder now, well, Texas and Oklahoma, are they still coming to the SEC? Would they stay in the Big 12 and hope to attract, say, Washington and Oregon over there? Or are they still going to go to the SEC? I mean, I don't think they would do that because the dollars are going to be big time in both the Big 10 and the SEC. And the timing of this 
is not accidental because Fox is right now negotiating the Big Ten's new television contract. Yeah, the, one of the things that USC and UCLA have with that grant of rights where a team gives its television rights to a conference for a certain amount of time, that expires in 2023, I believe, uh, or it, it, actually it possibly, yeah, at the end of the football season in 2023 for USC and UCLA. So that leaves them free to go to the Big Ten as early as 2024, and so they're likely to do that. In response to what you mentioned earlier about Oklahoma and Texas changing their minds, I'd say the chances are close to zero. <laughs> well, you <laughs> wonder, would the Big Ten go after them? Uh, no, I think it's going to be an arms race going on now. It's possible the Big Ten could try to poach them, for example, if there's any problem with the with the SEC getting Oklahoma and Texas but I think they're well on their way to doing that which which and I think that's one of the reasons the Big Ten went and got UCLA and USC what we're going into now is an arms race I think now the ACC has to has to look over their shoulder because if anywhere if the SEC is going to go anywhere to expand further and at 16 you'd think that would be it for now but apparently it's just the beginning you know then then could be who knows where that could go if you're Clemson you're thinking, wait a minute, we're on a sinking ship here in the ACC. We want to get out. Hey, SEC, here we are. So, well, we'll talk more about that when we have G. Allen Taylor on with us. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk 1430 WLKF. Hi, everyone. This is Jimmy Giles, former Pro Bowl tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone tonight. We are talking sports. Sports. And we're brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right. Jimmy Giles, one of the great all-time tight ends in the NFL. And speaking of greats, we've got him. You've got him. 682-1430 682-1430 if you want to talk to G. Allen Taylor of The Athletic. G. Allen, how are you tonight? Doing well, man. Uh, slow news day, right? Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> we were just talking about that, how, you know, it's just a lazy summer day, and then all of a sudden a tectonic shift to the college football landscape. So what what I want to know is, all right, what does this do to Texas and Oklahoma coming to the SEC? Does it accelerate their move? Would is there any way that they would go to the Big Ten? Well, I, I never thought that they were going to play out the entirety of their Big Twelve contract because um, I'm not familiar with a lot of four and five year long divorces. They tend to, <laughs> to be expedited, even if there isn't an outside pressure. And at some point, uh, the SEC money was going to be enough to offset. Uh, some of that Big 12 buyout. So I was expecting that to happen either 2023 or 2024 anyway. And now once you have USC and UCLA jumping into the Big 10 in 2024, uh, I would I would assume that's going to be the same uh, sort of a synchronized move for Texas and Oklahoma too because let's, let's face it, both of those programs, especially Texas, is already recruiting on, uh, on the promise of playing in the SEC. And I think that's one of the reasons Sarkeesian is having – so much success uh, after five and seven years. So, yeah, I, I think uh, 2024 at the latest uh, for those uh, two schools, Jordan and the SEC. Well, let me ask you this. What does this do to teams who are in limbo? You know, I was listening to one of the national shows today, and the Florida State fan called in and said, well, you know, Florida State's going to join the SEC along with Clemson and um, 
the national host said, man, Florida State is passe. They're old news. He said, but but they bring the Florida television market. He said, they might reside in Florida, but they don't own the television market. They only lease. And uh, Florida pretty much owns the television market. And how much animosity is there that Florida State turned down the SEC when they had a chance to come in? If you see the SEC expanding, where do you think they might go? Well, I think the, the obvious fit culturally, financially, and uh, and athletically for how they perform on the field is Clemson, right? So that's that's the one that um, is just a no-brainer, I, I think, for both parties. Uh, if, you, if you start talking about a second one, which is always a, a second or a fourth to these things, um, I, I see somebody like Vatek because that Virginia uh, talent pool and, and market up there is, is pretty strong. They always put 60000 in the uh, in the stadium, and I think that, uh, you know, uh, aside from the fact that FSU has that Florida thing going, which can be a, can be detraction, right? I mean, South Carolina theoretically uh, could veto Clemson. Florida could veto FSU. The SEC has sort of always let its, its in-house members – have that ability until, of course, A&M, being a new member, obviously didn't get a chance to beat them Texas, <laughs> which is okay. Um, so, you know, if I'm just picking two right now, because quite honestly, I don't think North Carolina's in play, because I, I feel like North Carolina's always going to be tethered to Duke and, and NC State, and if they're if there's not an ACC, then those schools are, are going to be Big Ten, right? I mean, that's they, they don't fit culturally in the SEC at all, but man, if you took took Clemson and Vitek, then I, I think you you make the league stronger. You have good atmospheres. You have road trips that people would enjoy, and, and you have new viewership markets. But I mean, having spent eight years covering the Big Twelve, you know, myself, I think West Virginia would be a good fit for the SEC. I don't think they would, you know, win the conference title, man. But they put fifty six, sixty thousand people in the in the stands. And their, their fan base is, is passionate, very much like Arkansas. That's the only sort of game in the state. And so everybody gets into it, both football and basketball. And it'll be interesting to see if, you know, somebody like Oklahoma State gets pulled in, too, because, you know, I've been to their basketball arena four or five times. I've been in their football stadium four or five times. It's impressive what they do with their facilities out there. And, they're, you know, they've been really good under – under Mike Gundy. So I think all those teams are in play, but really Clemson is the one. And then something keeps gnawing at me. It, it wouldn't be a cultural fit, but USD and UCLA aren't fits for the Big Ten either, so I don't know why I'm even worried about <laughs> quote-unquote fits. But, man, what if the FTC went to Notre Dame and said, you and Clemson, let's go, and Ooh, made it worth, you heard worth it their while. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame wants to recruit in the South. That's where their best players come from. Um, as do most of the Big Ten schools. You know, they're all down in Florida and Georgia trying to trying to get guys. So, you know, it's, it's not as crazy as it would have sounded a few months ago when everybody assumed Notre Dame would either go to the ACC as a full partner or go to the Big Ten. But, you know, now that we got, you know, a conference that stretches from Piscataway, New Jersey, to the L.A. Coliseum, I think all bets are off. <laughs> the Big Ten is really big. Our guest tonight, G. Allen Taylor from The Athletic, uh, 682-1430. And, and 682-1430, if you want to talk, uh, 
I got to tell you, sometimes you j- we, we just luck out. You know, I woke up this morning pretty much knowing what I was going to ask you about. <laughs> and uh, about six hours ago, I j- just forget forget the whole thing because everything changed. And uh, it's an uh, amazing piece of luck that, that you happen to be on tonight because uh, I, I know what I wanted to talk to you about. And that's the, the fire alarms that were being pulled by the message boards favoring the Gators uh, talking about how is it time to panic and, and about recruiting because obviously we're six months from the last class and six months till the next one. This is a perfect time for that. But uh, but this this conference thing with USC and UCLA has overshadowed everything, Alan. And I, I think, but but looking at it from the recruiting angle, I don't think the Manning sent Arch to Texas to play in the Big Twelve. Uh, if if there's any shakiness there, is there a chance to? Poach Arch Manning, say by a team like maybe the Gators. <laughs> well, the, the the poachability factor with Arch, you know, I contend, and I I, I know uh, Anthony Andy Staples and I have, have talked about this. Is Sark's coming off a five and seven year? If Texas gets you know pushed around by Alabama in September and their season starts to fall apart, um, you know, is Texas going to keep Sark with? essentially two losing records back-to-back. And, you know, Arch obviously will have until mid-December to make that decision. So he'll know what how this season plays out for Texas. I mean, at that point, you know, even if it's that bad with Texas, keep Sark to keep that recruiting class there if, if it's still intact. So to me, the, the hope of all the other schools that want a shot at Arch Manning really involves Texas just having another ho-hum year and, and there being some uh, job insecurity for Sarkeesian because, you know, Manning's going there to get coached by a guy who I think is, is one of the better OCs and quarterback coaches in all of football. I mean, you know, his personal travails aside, um, the guy can recruit. He's tapped into that quarterback network. He develops them. And, and uh, you know, I don't think Alabama's offense has ever looked better than when he was there. Uh, whether he can pull it off as a head coach is, is a different scenario. So, um you know, the assumption is, well, if, if Arch does decommit, he would go to Georgia. But, I mean, if Georgia's got a, a four- or five-star quarterback signed up by then or committed by then, you don't know where the dominoes fall. And, you know, there's a couple of schools out there. Um, I'm going to start this. Every school except for a couple would probably take him regardless of what their quarterback room looked like, right? I mean, they would say, hey, we got a guy committed. Who cares? We're taking another one. Or we're not taking this defensive end. We're taking him. So, you know, even with the early signing period, he'll have some time to see how that situation um, develops. And, uh, you know, Florida right now would probably be, I would say, fourth or fifth pick. But, again, who, who's got certain guys committed by the time that Arch potentially would decommit would, would, would uh, sort of be the situation. Well, you know, they don't have Arch Manning committed, and they also don't have Jaden Rashada uh, committed either, which is why the Gators uh, fan base is in such angst. Uh, let me just go big picture here, Alan. What, how big of a blow is it to for Miami to sign Rashada instead of the Gators? Uh, uh, is it along the level of if they hadn't signed Tebow in 06, or is it really, are we overblowing it, and let's all take a deep breath? Um, I don't think it's even in the, the, the category of Tebow because Really, I mean, if you get right down to it, uh, eight weeks ago, ten weeks ago, Gators fans didn't really have Rashada 
on their radar. Now the coaches knew about him. They, you know, they, the last staff even had offered him for, for what that's worth. But um, he's not a guy like Tebow who grew up in your backyard. He's not a person that you went into this recruiting cycle and said, that's our guy. I mean, let's face it. There are four or five quarterbacks in the country, at least, that Florida gave a better evaluation to than him, maybe more. Um, and they like him. But, I mean, you know, again, Manning, uh, Nico, uh, he's the third-best quarterback in California, really by consensus. That's that's, that's what it is. Um, the other reason I'm, I'm not – if I try to put on a fan hat and, and, and try to find the silver lining here is he didn't have much of the sophomore season at all because California, you know, really didn't play during COVID. So I think he had a shortened spring season, his junior season, at least on the high school team, not talking about the recruiting circuit, wasn't uh, productive. So there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of wins. There's not a lot of game reps that get you excited about him. There's a lot of physical things you love about the kid. But, you know, he, he's not a miss for Florida outside of the fact that for a period of about a week to 10 days, they were leading for him, and it looked like that was going to be the case. And then, obviously, uh, you know, Miami got him down there for the final visit, and that, that didn't work out. Um, I will say this. I, I feel confident Florida will have a good quality quarterback recruit committed, uh, you know, by mid to late July. Um, so... You know, we'll see what shakes out. But I, yeah, I mean, I remember. I mean, the, the Tebow thing was—I wouldn't even say it's as big a deal as not getting, you know, like a CJ leak or somebody. It's not. Um, he's just not a guy that was number one on their board for a long time, and they invest a lot of resources in getting. They didn't give him an official visit um, until recently because they weren't sure that they wanted to pursue it. So, um, you know, uh, for me, it's basically a few weeks of, of, of lost time is all versus, you know, some guy you offered as a sophomore or freshman in high school and you just couldn't, couldn't land him. Right. We wanted to ask you also about um, the vagabond from Lakeland High School, Demarcus yeah. Bowman. You know, he went to Clemson, transferred to Florida. Everybody was excited. And you know, he got a lot of play, got a lot of carries in the spring game, and he really didn't show that acceleration, that elusiveness that he had at Lakeland High School. I mean, th- this kid was magic with a football under his arm. He had 200 yards rushing in the state title game against St. Thomas Aquinas University. I mean, that kid was a can't-miss. Um, what do you see for him at UCF? Well, I remember sitting in the uh, Ben Hill Griffin stadium press box uh, when the news broke that he was you know leaving Clemson after two or three games in the 2020 season and I happened to get him on the phone that day during the first quarter and you know, there was palpable excitement among the coaching staff that a he would be immediately eligible which he turns out he was and that he would elevate that running back room and then he got here and uh, was a little bit banged up last spring and then by summer the reports were sort of like Man, we've we've got a pretty good room. Uh, we'll see how high he can climb. And I'm like, what happened? What happened to the excitement of five months ago? And and I got the feeling that he just he just wanted to picking things up to the extent that uh, that they wanted him to do so, and to the extent where they would trust him. And I don't I don't know if you know attitude problem or anything like that, but it was just he didn't he didn't stand out. And people said, well, the running room was running back room was really deep last year. 
I mean, was it? You had a, a fourth round pick, and you know Malik goes undrafted. I don't think Naquan Wright is an NFL running back necessarily, right. and Lorenzo Lingard can't stay healthy. So I'm, I'm not convinced it was a quote unquote deep running back room. I think the older guys just didn't let him pass him up, and they, you know, <laughs> yeah. aired down and got things done. So, you know, I don't know what the situation is, but I mean, I was excited for him in 2021 to break out, and it just didn't happen. And then, of course, they had a couple of fumbles in the spring game too. So. Um, Alan, you know, excuse ECF, me. We, you we've, that talent wasted. we've got a caller who wants to talk to you, Cougar Lou. We've got about a minute and a half left. Cougar Lou, how are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. You're on with G. Allen Taylor from the Athletic. Hey, thanks. I I have a question uh, pertaining to Arch Manning because uh, the videos that I watch of his high school films. I have not been impressed at all with the level of competition uh, that he's faced. And uh, and I try to tell myself, well, don't forget, you know, his uncle, his uncle's played on the same team. And, uh, you know, but when I see the level, of, I, I don't know if you've watched any of the game films uh, of his, but um, the ones I've seen have not been real impressive. Have you have you ever had a chance to look at them? Well, thanks, Lou. Yeah, I've mean, got about a minute left, Alan. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the thing you're describing, Lou, is to me that happens with almost every highlight film I see with the rare occasion of, you know, a kid putting in a highlight film of, of playing like in a 6 or 7 eight playoff game. I mean, the, it, it's hard to find comparable uh, athleticism and comparable defenses that can keep up with him. I will say, at, at no point in history have quarterbacks been more scrutinized than they are now. And you mm-hmm. know, he's one of the, I think, fifth or sixth ones that ever got a perfect rating based on all the, the mechanical stuff that goes into it. So I think he's been vetted well. But you're absolutely right, man. He's 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 not seeing week in and week out the kind of competition in high school that maybe even sees in seven on seven. Uh, situations where you've got these all-star teams that travel together. Yeah, great question. Cougar Lou, appreciate you joining us tonight. And uh, G. Allen, we appreciate that so much. How can somebody see your work? Yeah, just uh, G. Allen, A-L-L-A-N, Taylor, uh, on Twitter, and obviously at The Athletic, uh, theathletic.com. So uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's always a joy to talk to you all. Oh, our pleasure, and we really enjoy reading your work. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey, let's get back and talk sports on Sports Central. Sports Central with Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the house ready to go. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone and with us on the telephone is Miss Holly Kane. Holly, welcome back to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe. It's great to be back in the Ozone with you guys. Thanks. I tell you what, it always brightens our day when we have you on. So, all right, big race coming up this weekend, huh? Another road race? It is. It's one of my favorites. I love Road America. It's going to be a, uh, you know, it, it's getting time where these guys have to start paying attention to getting into the playoffs. So, this is going to be an opportunity, maybe, for someone who hasn't already uh, punched their ticket, so to speak. So we'll see. Holly, a little over four-mile course with 14 turns. And uh, Kyle Larson has won the last three road uh, course wins. He's got three road course wins. And Ryan Blaney has done real well. Who, who's your favorite going into this race? 
Well, I think you have to like Kyle Larson, you know, as you said, based on his record, but also Chase Elliott, who just won last weekend at Nashville and is leading the point standings right now, is fantastic on road courses. In fact, he's got more wins than any other active driver. So I think he's somebody you got to look out for as well. But, you know, the thing is, several years ago, many of these guys didn't know how to race a road course. And now you've got, you know, 12, 15 guys that you could consider a favorite on that. Well, you know, it would seem to me that when you get on a road course, it's a lot harder to pass. And that means that the pit crews become even more important than ever. Is that a, a good observation or is am I way off base? No, I mean, I, I think obviously they're important because you don't want to go a lap down or suffer a big penalty on a road course. So obviously and always the pit crews are, are super important. But I really believe ultimately it comes down to the driver and what kind of a road course racer he is. And that's going to make the biggest difference. The skill that they have can make the difference in, you know, the last lap or two. Our guest tonight, the great Holly Kane from NASCAR Wire Services. You can join us here in the Ozone at 682-1430, 682-1430. Hey, happy 4th of July coming up, Holly. Happy 4th of July to you guys. <laughs> and, of course, uh, you know, on America's birthday, you always think of baseball, hot dogs, apple pie, and the Quick Trip 250 presented by Jockey Made in America <laughs> from Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. Uh, where, <laughs> where's, the, uh, you know, where's the Pepsi or Coke Zero 400 or the Firecracker 400? You know, um, has, has life passed me by and I missed something? <laughs> No, but I think NASCAR would argue they're in the heart of America, right? Middle America. <laughs> Daytona is the heart of America. <laughs> well, that's what we think down here in Florida anyway. But, they, you know, in all fairness, instead of going there in the summer, they've made that the last regular season race. So the outcome of the Daytona race has absolutely huge implications, and it, it sets the final 16 to go into the playoffs. So first and last is a good thing, although uh, I – don't know if they're aware of what the climate is like at the end of August in uh, Florida, but <laughs> I guess they'll find out soon enough, right? I, I think so. Keep in mind, Daytona is where NASCAR is based, so you would <laughs> think they would know. So we'll just cross our fingers about August. Yeah, I guess July's not hot enough. So <laughs> to go exactly, exactly. But speaking of hot, <laughs> excuse me, uh, speaking of hot, you mentioned Chase Elliott winning in Nashville. Hey, what, what's with the resurrection of Kurt Busch, who finished second in the race? You know, I think Kurt is ready to answer a lot of people that thought he was going to retire. And I think he's trying to tell people I'm on a new team, trying to be one of the leaders on that team. And he's got a lot to prove. And keep in mind, he's a former NASCAR Cup Series champion. So he is very good. And he's just bringing it every week. And I think it's fantastic because I don't think before the year started, everyone would have expected that out of him, especially with him going to a new team. And now he's proving you know, I am here, I can contend, and I, you know, I, I think we're going to see a lot of him here in the last few races to determine who goes to the playoffs. Well, if you see him, you can let him know that we here in the Ozone are just about ready to be believers. So, <laughs> so. I, I will make sure to let him know. I'm going to be covering uh, five or six of the races in the playoffs, so I will see a lot of Kurt Busch, and I will let him know. I thought maybe that he and Kyle Busch just sort of switched places, and that uh, so what we're seeing is a mirage, but I guess that, that couldn't have happened, was it? could it? Wow, that's <laughs> how <laughs> conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> yeah, that is a conspiracy theory. I don't think Kyle would be so happy. Kyle's running all right, too. You know, to be honest, they are both fantastic race car drivers. So it's of no surprise to see one or the other. And 
how fun would it be if the two of them were really challenging in the end to be among the final four to decide the championship? Holly, you need to talk to Ross Chastain for us. You know, we haven't gotten those watermelons that we were expecting here. And, you know, it's almost 4th of July. And, you know, that's just a staple in the 4th of July delicacies. So um, tell Ross to hurry up. I will do that. In fact, that'll be the first thing I say to Ross when I see him coming up in a few weeks. I will I will remind him. <laughs> Holly, uh, is Ross getting into some trouble and some hot water with the other drivers? I've been hearing things. What's going on there? Well, some of the drivers, uh, particularly Denny Hamlin, yeah, him. Elliot, were not very <laughs> pleased with the way Ross was racing them. But, you know, in listening to Ross's interviews, he's not really apologetic. He's going for it, you know. <laughs> he wants to be in the mix to win a championship. So if that's what he's got to do, that's what he's got to do. I don't think he means to race dirty. Um, and I don't think he does necessarily, but he's uh, he's going for it. He's not going to just, you know, succumb and let these veterans uh, go ahead of him. Holly, where do you draw the line? What, what is dirty racing versus racing hard? Well, you know, dirty racing is perhaps completely disabling a car, which you could argue Ross had done. But I think it's <laughs> intentionally. Intent is the case. Intent. Right, Joe? Let's let's see them <laughs> prove it in court, right? <laughs> That's why I was bringing that up, yeah. <laughs> Ross Chessane, you know, he, he is second in the cup standings right now. He has the two wins, and, of course, a lot of that is due to the fact that he came on our show with us and, uh, you know, it's brought him some good exactly. luck. <laughs> uh, but I'm old enough to remember when Brad Kozlowski was good. He is struggling a little bit. What's up there? Well, you know, this is his first year owning the team, putting it out. He's got, you know, he's kind of drawn in a whole bunch of different directions. And keep in mind, he got that huge penalty, over 100 points, that dropped him out of the top 10 to below the 30th place in the standings. So he's had to overcome that all year. But he's the kind of guy that would not surprise me to see him win it at Daytona in the, in the last race of the season, if not before, but he's particularly good on the restrictor plate races. Uh, I'm among the bubble drivers as we head into the last couple of months of the regular season, the bubble along the bubble of the uh, playoff points, the ones without a win, uh, Harvick, Amarola, Reddick, Austin Dillon, uh, Jones, uh, who's who's most likely to break through and who's in trouble? Well, I think Kevin Harvick, you have to guess, he will win. I mean, he's a former champion. Two years ago, he had the most wins in the season with nine. I think he'll get a win. Ryan Blaney, I think, will get a win. And Martin Truex. So if we're looking at this right now, it really fills up with winners. And on uh, the NASCAR wire service before the year started, I had to write a story and guess, would they fill up with 16 winners? How, If not, how many people would get in on points? It would not surprise me to see them come away with at least 15 different winners. So uh, seven races till till the end of the regular season in Daytona? Yes. Okay, so uh, uh, it's some great old places, including Pocono, including uh, uh, Michigan International Speedway, where I think Joey Logano always races very well. Um, uh, it, what should we be looking for, not just this week, but going forward over the next seven weeks? Well, I think no more Mr. Nice Guy. I think that's number one. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I never would have expected Ryan Blaney and Martin Truex to still be looking for their first win of the season. So I think you're going to see where these teams are good, putting a whole lot of their team focus on. If they know that they are, you know, usually farewell at a certain track, that's where all the focus goes for the whole team. 
And I think you're going to see him really going for it. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing, as good as they have been, that they, you know, haven't gotten those wins. They've been so close to it, right? I mean, the fireworks have gone off, but they haven't gotten the trophy. So I, I really think they absolutely have to get that win. And I, I think they will. Well, fans, you've heard it. You heard it here from Holly Kane. The, uh, the, <laughs> The etiquette is over. No more Mr. Nice Drivers out there. That Now they're really going to get rough. So we'll look forward to that and look forward to having you back on soon, especially as we get closer to Daytona uh, and uh, talk a little bit more about how things shake out and the possibility of Joey Logano winning another cup, which uh, I'm saving that question for next time. <laughs> that's, that's very good. I would be surprised to see him win another race, but... Thank you guys for having me on. It's always so great to discuss this. And, and you know what? It's really getting to be that time of the year. So I enjoy it. And I'm sure all the NASCAR fans out there really love this as well. Well, they love this and they love you just like we do, Holly. We really appreciate it. You you, uh, you really, really do such a great job when you're on the show talk, helping us understand and enjoy NASCAR a whole lot. And we appreciate it. And have a great 4th of July. You too, all of you. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, thank you, Holly. That's Holly Kane from NASCAR Wire Services talking about NASCAR and the upcoming uh, race this weekend in Wisconsin. And uh, we've got $30 to give away to Lakeland Alehouse coming up after the break. We're going to do it in a special manner this week. Look forward to that. So join us after the break here in the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hey there, this is James Bates, linebacker for the 1996 National Champion Florida Gators. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. Ozone. Oh, yeah. Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors. Turning scrap metal into cash. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone. And I know right now those rare individuals who are hungry or thirsty are waiting. Your dialing fingers are itching. You cannot wait for that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. So your dialing fingers are ready. We're curing hunger one person at a time. And with us to give that sports quiz tonight, Mr. Harrison James Finkbeiner. Harrison, what you got for us tonight? For a $30 gift card to Miller's Lakeland Ale House, what was Babers' real first name? A, William, B, George, C, Oscar. All right. Henry, you got a phone number for us? Yes, I do. What's that phone number they need to call? Call 682-1430. Call 682-1340. 1430. That a boy. Good job. All right. Hey, Harrison, who's your favorite college football team? The Florida Gators. All right. Henry, how about you? Um, um, Who's your favorite Gators? college football team? Gators. All right. And um, what did you say about living in Tallahassee? Uh, Henry, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We won't, we won't do that. But um, give that phone number one more time, Henry, if you will. Call 682-1430. Call 682-1430. That's awesome. Harrison, can you read the question one more time? Okay. 
Um, what was Babe Ruth's real name? A. William B. George C. Oscar. All right. You guys did fantastic. I'm so proud of you guys. Nice work, kids. That was awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You just swelled our audience by millions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you. It's bedtime over here. We- <laughs> All right. All right. Okay. Good night. It's time, it's time for young young future gators to hit the sack. That's right. So it's, it's, it's past our bedtime, too. we yeah. got to finish the show, though. Yeah, exactly. i got to go to the couch, man. <laughs> All right. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Real simple tonight. I mean, how easy can we make it? That $30 gift certificate, man, you're going to have to back up to the alehouse and let them hand it to you backwards. It's so easy. 682-1430. You know, taking candy from a baby, from the babe, you know, that, that kind of, it's so easy. 682-1430. Babe Ruth's real first name. Yeah, it's not Ronnie. Yeah, it's yeah, not. Uh, every, babe Ocean. Uh, it yeah. has a nice ring to it. <laughs> every baseball fan in the world knows this. 682-1430. Give us a call because we're sitting here waiting, and we don't want Eric to win that $30 gift certificate. It's not Joe either. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, six eight two fourteen thirty. Well, we were talking about the big shift in the college football landscape today, and it happened ironically a lot like the Texas Oklahoma thing happened. You know, there there was no leakage. Just all of a sudden, boom, there it is, and that's exactly what happened with this. All of a sudden, boom. There it is. Yeah, and it, and really, this was technically a leak, but it really wasn't. This was the sort of thing where they're really close to agreement, and they're starting yeah. to lay the groundwork yeah. now to, to make what could be an announcement as early as tomorrow. Uh, now, obviously, it's not a done deal till it's a done deal, but if they're starting to talk about it publicly, that means all the hard work is done, and now it's just a matter of getting the— uh, big wigs together to give the official stamps of approval. This is going to happen. And the Pac-12, by the way, w- which is looking to get a new commissioner very soon, they're reeling. They're reeling. They're already trying to figure out what to do. And the alliance uh, of the Pac-12, ACC, and Big 12 doesn't look like uh, that's going to last very long, is it? Well, the Pac-12's got Kleofkoff, don't they? Isn't that the guy they hired? Right, yeah. He, he, he's uh, And he was just being introduced. I mean, I, I, earlier this week, a couple of days ago, I remember, and, and most people re- responded the way our listeners probably did when you said Kleofkoff. They probably said, who? Yeah, <laughs> that yeah was, exactly. That was a whole Pac-12 that said that as well. And I don't know, is it a coincidence that moments after they introduce him, USC and UCLA are at the door? <laughs> well, <laughs> yikes! You know, I don't know. Those, those two things could be related, but... Give us a call, 682-1430. We want to give away that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. All you got to do, if you haven't won the last six months, is give us a call and tell us what was Babe Ruth's real first name. Was it Oscar? Was it Eric Clark? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> was it George? It could be that. could be Oscar. Oscar Kowalski, was that it? We got a caller. I knew somebody would be hungry and thirsty. They're out there. They're waiting. They're begging to have that $30 gift certificate. And finally, we've got a caller. 
who admits to being hungry and thirsty. Wayne, how are you tonight? Hey, doing good. You hungry and thirsty? Oh, man, all the time. Ah, that's what we wanted. That's what we wanted. You've ever been to the Ale House? Uh, lots of times. That's a great place. Oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. What was Babe Ruth's real first name? Well, that was a little before my time, but I think it was George. <laughs> I think you're exactly right. <laughs> yes, sir. It was before all of our times, Wayne, no, yeah. except for Ronnie's. <laughs> yeah. Well, Babe and I, you know, we went to that same reform school in Baltimore. Ron, Ronnie won the Name the New Kid at the reform school contest, That's the right. orphanage contest. That's he, right. He won season tickets to the Orioles. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Whatever they were called back then. Yeah, second place was two tickets <laughs> to the Orioles back then. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, who's your favorite baseball team? Well, we're from Seattle back in the day. so uh, Seattle Pilots. Wow, yeah. we kept with the uh, Mariners. But, uh, no, the Rays, We got, you got to root for the Rays, man. Yeah, there there might even be a stadium deal someday soon. They're starting to reopen talks about that. And I, I guess they're going to wait till the last second, but it, at least I think that Montreal plan has been shelved. We do want to keep them here. Oh, that's good. Yeah, St. Pete's a hike some days, you know. Hey, I wish they were in Tampa. We'd go to a bunch more games for sure. Well, it is. I mean, you yeah, got to go would. through Tampa for a 7.30 game at rush hour to get there. And, oh, man. You know, that, that's a difficult thing, and – you know, I admire St. Pete for what they did. You know, they had the backbone to build the stadium, and they came within minutes. There was some political shuffling to keep the White Sox from coming. The Giants almost came. And so huh. when the Rays came, you know, they had the stadium. So that's they were the ones that, that had stepped up to the plate. And, uh, you know, that's how they got the Rays. But – they really need to be in Tampa. Some you're yeah. trading basically Orlando for Bradenton, and that's not a good trade. Yeah. Wayne, well, I'd go to a lot more games. Yeah, Wayne. Well, you're going to get to see the Rays play uh, if you if you go to the Ale House and watch them on one of the 40 strategically located TVs. So, uh, congratulations and hang on uh, while we're going to end the show now, and then Eric is going to take your information. So, don't go away. Congratulations, Wayne. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Wayne. Really appreciate you listening. Ronnie O and Coach Joe will be back next week with another fantastic show. Um, you know, we we timed this so that we could talk about this tonight. We called and asked them to delay it until we were about to come on the air so that we'd have something to talk about. And uh, next week, I'm sure we'll have something else just as earth-shattering.